1: Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and of course I'm joined by my trusty sidekick and co-host, Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going, man?
0: It's going pretty good. Uh, Getting ready to watch a little Monday night football as uh, the Chiefs battle the Ravens and what many people thought would have been the uh, AFC Championship game last year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, understood. Maybe it'll be this year, but I believe that this game is going to decide possibly The person that winds up going to the Super Bowl, because in this game, whoever wins this has to have the very, very large upper hand towards home field advantage.
0: Oh, completely. Again, you you can't not discount the fact that this uh, this game features two of the most up and coming quarterbacks in the NFL and and realistically a couple of the best offenses in the AFC.
1: Wait a minute. Josh, Josh Allen's playing tonight.
0: Yes, Josh Allen.
1: <laughs> hey, come on, get a guy some shakes, man.
0: I, I, I got, it, I got, it. I did, I did not give him credit uh, beforehand for having a decent game against the Rams. I, I didn't think he would have that, and uh, particularly when John Brown went down early, I really didn't think he would have a good game. But uh, and of course we had no Zach Moss, so that actually kind of helped Josh Allen and the fact that they were able to run the ball with Devin Singletary, but I think that uh, Allen also carried the ball a couple more times uh, than he probably normally would have, including getting another rushing touchdown.
1: Yeah, he's been money for one of my teams, that's for sure. So let's break it down for what people can expect tonight, something we forgot to do last week, I think. Um, We're, of course, going to have our DFS segment. That'll be the second part, the ending of the show. Um, After we go through the first part of the show where I'll throw it over to you in a little bit for this week's news. Um, We're going to do a little talk about sample size. Um, We couldn't figure out what we were going to cover this week. I tweeted at you. I think I tweeted at you or you just liked it one or the other. And I said, maybe the sample size was too small. And I was referring to the tight end sample in Cincinnati. Um, But we can talk around that a little bit more, I think. So, With that said, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitzed Podcast News.
0: Thank you, Steve. Seattle's Chris Carson sustained a knee sprain near the end of Sunday afternoon's game. Carlos Hyde appeared ready to start week four in his absence. Carson missing time due to injury isn't particularly new, but at least this week, there isn't a throng of 12th fans demanding his understudy take over permanently for him. Now let's just hope that when Carson does return, that his notorious fumble problems do not return with him. (laughs) Chris Godwin had just returned from a concussion this past weekend and now faces an extended absence due to a hamstring injury. So, yet another top 10 dynasty wide receiver is out for an unspecified amount of time. I mean, come on, man. Stop me if you've heard this before. (laughs) Deshaun Jackson and Dallas Goddard joined the walking, wounded receiving corps for the Philadelphia Eagles. At the end of last season, everyone thought that the Eagles' passing offense couldn't become more dysfunctional. Well, Carson Wentz just said, hold my youngling. At last year's second-round pick, J.J. Arthiga whiteside finally made an appearance on Sunday. He wasn't targeted, but at least we know he's still alive. (laughs) In positive wide receiver news, Vikings rookie Justin Jefferson exploded for seven catches for 175 yards and a touchdown. Let's hope that Kirk Cousins has finally decided to play the role of an actual NFL quarterback. I mean, it's pretty amazing what can happen offensively when you actually involve more than one person on the offensive side of the ball. (laughs) And finally, perhaps the tide is finally returning to normality here in 2020, as Jordan Reed has joined the rest of the 49ers on the injury report. (laughs) This has been your BPN News Update.
1: Yeah, you know, I almost mentioned that before we started the news. I was going to say, you know, 2020 has been just one of those years where nothing seems to be the way it should, but Jordan Reed's on IR now. I feel bad for the guy. I really do. And they're saying it looks like a six- to eight-week thing.
0: Yes, which for Jordan Reed means he will play again sometime in 2023.
1: If he's on another team, probably. So I have a question for you. You are a beer guy, right? Yes. Did you say Youngling on on purpose? Yes. Okay. Thank God. Because there are probably people out there that would say that. And for those that don't know, it is Yingling. It is near my home area of the Philadelphia market. It is the oldest brewery in the country, I believe, correct? That is correct. And I think they just, I don't know why, but they just sold out for some big cash probably to do some distribution with Corona. Is it Corona?
0: Uh, I believe it's Miller Coors. Miller that's Coors, going to be yeah, tank. that's it. Yep, they are bringing it actually here to the Twin Cities, uh, starting this fall for the first time ever. So, again, it I've had it before. It's it's a good lager. I mean, it's yeah. it's nothing special. No, but uh, it's 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 one of those beers that people who are from the uh, I was going to say from the Philadelphia and from the Pennsylvania area certainly are familiar with. They, you know, in the Northeast has certainly had it before. It's one of those beers you're kind of introduced to as one of your first beers.
1: Yes. It's a solid lager. It's better than Bud Heavy or anything like that. Um their black and tan's actually pretty decent. Um but for the price, and if you're looking for a cheap beer and you're not going to go crafty, that's not a bad it's not a bad buy. So good for them to get that extra distribution. Um anyway. Why don't we – oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I made a note here. What was the other thing I wanted to talk to you about? Uh, I forget. What were your news notes again?
0: Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, yeah, uh, there you go. Chris Godwin.
1: The, the Eagles. Oh, and Chris Godwin. By the way, that's also better known as another player from one of Steve's teams. Um, <laughs> you should have checked with me, and you could have used that in the news. Um, the Eagles, we should brand them a good nickname. Um, maybe The Walking Dead is a good nickname. They should they should sponsor that series.
0: Well, and I, I see so many people on Twitter over this past weekend, and, and there's been so much denigration of, of Carson Wentz and uh, his performance so far this season. And all I can say to myself is I mean, he's basically got the two of us out there at receiver right now.
1: Yeah, for the most part. I mean, it is, look, he has not made some great decisions. He's Whatever, just he hasn't. His offensive line hasn't really helped him either. No, and they've been beat up. I mean, and they didn't even get a chance to kick the attempt for a game-winning field goal because Peters gets hurt. He goes off the field. His replacement comes in. I think it was the very next snap, right? False yes. start, back him up. Doug doesn't try the field goal, probably rightfully so. With 16 seconds left, I mean, you don't make it, which it's a long shot. Since he's got a very good chance at one pass and try for a long field goal themselves and get a win. I was more surprised after the Eagles did punt the ball, I was was surprised. I don't know about you, but were you surprised that all they did was handed the ball to Joe Mixon and didn't maybe try to throw a long pass, hoping for a pass interference or something like that?
0: Well, I I was totally surprised. I mean, I figured that maybe this was more of a look-see at what people in the Cincinnati coaching department feel about Burrow's arm.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I just don't – I didn't get it. Like, and if you don't want to do that and you got – like just throw it and do some of those. I I guess I kind of understand not doing the laterals because it'd be easy for the Eagles to scoop it up and score. Right. But I just, I still don't understand not trying to throw it long and at minimum to the boundary. So even if it's intercepted, it's along the sideline and you should be able to stop them and they hopefully wouldn't have anything. I don't know. Just whatever.
0: Well, and considering again, I mean, I I mentioned Burrow's arm. Uh, I can't talk personally to how good of a deep ball thrower he is. But he has a lot of deep ball weapons there that he could certainly throw it up to. Guys who could certainly uh, contest catches and, and try to go up for the ball and perhaps draw that pass interference call.
1: And, and guys with speed like John – oh, wait, John Ross, wait a minute. He, <laughs> he wasn't
0: Hey, active. so why – John Ross shouldn't have left the stadium. He should have been traded to Philadelphia right after the game.
1: Yeah, he, they could have traded him at halftime. Um, they could have thrown the ball to um, – is it Drew Sample?
0: Oh, boy. Yeah. Don't remind me about the the sample there. Uh, I I had him way, way too utilized in daily fantasy this past week, and uh, he didn't come through quite like we thought he would.
1: So that leads us to let's talk about sample size. I've said this for years on end that I despise the first three to four weeks of a season. From a projection standpoint, because it takes a while to get numbers that mean something, right? And, and well, I do-
0: yes, and I think it really, it's it's even amplified this year because we didn't have a preseason, and the players didn't get a chance to really showcase any of their wares uh, outside of individual like versus themselves scrimmages. So we couldn't really see some of the true trends uh, on players on defense and and offense for that matter
1: yep that's part of it so you know because then in the past remind me the eagles have always been pretty tough on the tight end correct
0: yes very very strong against the tight end
1: but this year they had a bad week against tyler higby i don't remember what happened week one so they they look like a prime matchup when you look at their what they've done so far this season right Versus yes. what Drew Sample just did when Uzoma went out and it looked like bro was going to lean on him. And it truly was a sample size that was too small.
0: Yeah. And I think that, uh, again, we didn't take into account what the game script would actually be in this case here. Uh, certainly you can look at something that looks like a positive trend. Yeah. And you can look at it from both sides, both offensively and defensively. And it might look positive on both sides of the coin. And what but hap- if the game does not work like it's supposed to, right, it'll take away from the likelihood of it actually working out.
1: Right. And, and what that does is it pollutes, <coughs> it pollutes your trend, right? Because over the course of the season, the more you get into it, the less that that becomes noise, right? Because there's more to offset it. So as an example, and I know you mentioned this, is New Orleans the new Arizona when it comes to tight ends?
0: Exactly. In, in the first four weeks, First four weeks. In the first three weeks, they've managed to give up solid games to Darren Waller, who went over 100 yards and scored. OJ Howard scored in the first game, but they held Gronk in check. And then this past week, they actually gave up big yardage to two different tight ends. So it, it's one of those situations where you look at things, and all you can really do is kind of say, well, okay, this suggests that he might have a good performance here. But you still have to look at things and say, well, okay, if we get too far behind, will this happen? If we get out to too big of a lead, will we pull Phillip rivers and Jonathan Taylor at the end of the second half at the end of the first
1: half. Right. And then like, as another example, you've got the giants, who I think rank fifth (coughs) currently against the pass in fantasy. And by that, I mean they give up the fifth least amount of points to opposing fantasy wide receivers. Again, is that something that you can look at at this point and use and feel good about it? And, and the answer is no, in my mind. You truly have to look at each of those games as what they were, how it came, in, came about, what happened, was somebody hurt, was somebody not hurt, did, was there a lead, did the game script impact it, et cetera. And it can be a point of influence for what your decision is, but you do not base your decision on it fully at this point.
0: Yeah, and it's particularly interesting. Uh, when you think about matchups for this coming week, you, you look at that and you say, well, the are going to face the Giants, so let's get Goff in our lineups. Let's get Woods in our lineups. Let's get Cooper Cup. Let's get Tyler Higby." And one of the things I was actually looking at when researching for DFS this week is that the Giants were really actually doing very well this year against tight ends, which was a bit of a surprise to me. I didn't think that was the case, but it, but it is for the season so far. But again, the season so far is short. And how much of that is predicated on the fact that teams have just run the ball like crazy against the Giants.
1: Exactly. Why throw if you don't have to? Um, And why not throw if you can't run type thing, right? So.
0: Yes, but also matchups do matter in that, that in two is that uh, so going into this past week, there was a lot of concern about uh, playing Jared Goff and the Rams against Buffalo. Now I did a little bit more research and saw that Buffalo so far this season had really been struggling with receivers out of the slot. They were actually one of the worst in the league against receivers out of the slot. Right. So I made a last minute switch in a couple of my DFS lineups and slid Cooper Cup and Jared Goffin as a stack and actually paid off really well.
1: Exactly. But so somebody like me, I'd have looked at that game, right? It was in Buffalo. They scored way more points than I ever would have imagined.
0: Right? Oh wait, wait. I mean again you've got two teams that are known for their defense. Particularly their pass defense, right? And and both of those teams, uh, to some degree, got lit up. And uh, one of the teams got lit up despite losing uh, one of their top two wide receivers for most of the game.
1: Yeah, and like I won't fault you for trying to make something out of something you found by putting Cup in and then stacking him with Goff, but you probably also knew that it wasn't necessarily the strongest stat to make you feel good about it. But you saw a possible opening that. That could pay off,
0: and that's where you find your best contrarian plays. I mean, obviously, the chalk paid off big time this week with the Dallas Seattle game. Yeah. Uh, but again, when you look at a situation like that, for every Dallas Seattle chalk that pays off, you have the Tennessee uh, Derrick Henry situation, where realistically, if it wasn't for those two short touchdowns in that short period of span of the, uh, I believe it was in the third quarter. His day was kind of meh, and it shouldn't have been meh. It should have been just run right through the face of every single defensive player and just push them on their
1: backs. Yep, and, and as an example, let's talk to Alice in Seattle real quick. Um, Seattle has given up, I believe, it's four hundred yards more to wide receivers than any other team in the NFL at this point.
0: Yes, actually, a stat that I'm going to bring up again in the DFS segment. They've given up 400 yards more to any receivers. But when you factor that in, that is actually more yards differential between their team and the next closest team than a couple different teams have allowed to all wide receivers Large, through yeah. three games.
1: But then here's the other part of that, right? There's two sides to every coin. So if Seattle's giving that up to that many opposing wide receivers, well, there's got to be a couple reasons why. Um, oh, wait a minute, they've had some big leads and scored a lot of points, right? Yes. So what do the other teams have to do? They have to throw the ball. Um, That's part of it. That also means that Seattle's probably doing well with their own wide receivers. Um, Then you get a matchup like the Dallas-Seattle game, and Dallas isn't doing too hot with what they allow to wide receivers. Um, They've entered some record book stuff with – allowing I think it was the most wide receivers to have over 70 yards to start a season or something like that through the first two weeks. Um, but, again, they're all small sample sizes, but you look at them, and some of them can, you can see that will bear out, and maybe it's something that you use as a data point going into week three and looking in the week four and stuff like that, and that's how you start to shape things.
0: Well, and even sometimes when you look at the data points and you make the correct decisions, which is, Oh, let's play our slot receivers versus Seattle because they're really bad against the slot. And then you play CD Lamb and something called Cedric Wilson arrives.
1: Right. And that's just the stuff where it the process over results, right?
0: Exactly. People need to like if if a person wants to get a good fantasy football tattoo, that would be what I would say.
1: Yep, there you go. I mean, at the end of the day, results are what matter, but you know what, you can't kick yourself when the process is right because that's exactly. something you can control. You can't control the result because guess what? DK Metcalf. Did we let me see? Did we both have him as our as our <coughs> as our value player, or our pay up last
0: week? Uh, I, I the last yeah, week. We had him as a pay up last. Yeah,
1: we both had him as a pay up. Neither one of we had we did the right process. Neither one of us could have saw him not protecting the ball three yards from the end zone and taking a touchdown six points away. Basically, actually, it probably was almost at, what eight point swing. Cause he probably got negative two for the fumble.
0: Well, you can also look at it from this standpoint, that also says a lot about the football acumen of uh rookie. Uh, is it Tavon Diggs, uh, Stefan's younger brother, I believe. Yes. Uh, a, a guy who could have been facing the fact that he was kind of beyond his depth in this game, facing off against a team in a, in a game where people are just throwing it right and left like crazy. But to have that wherewithal and that football acumen to continue on the play, to continue chasing him, and then to make the attempt to, uh, I like to call it the peanut play, try to punch it out there. And sure enough, he was able to do that. And again, it's not something that you expect to have happen. But if you've got smart players, smart players make smart things happen.
1: Peanut. Peanut. See, people don't even know what you're talking about, probably, for the most part. Some will. The IDPers should. Peanut Tillman. Yes. He was an ace at it. Um, The other thing is, I tweeted something about that. uh, Something like, first, first note, DK Metcalf with a boneheaded play. Second note, Diggs with a heady play. Yes. So, but, I mean, that's the point we just want to get to and, and make sure you guys understand, is that sample size does matter. And in the NFL, even 16 games isn't a real big sample size, quite honestly. So we're almost always dealing with smaller sample sizes, which is what makes our job harder than a meteorologist per se. Right.
0: Um, exactly. But I will say this before we uh, move on is that don't give up on drew sample just yet. I agree. I, I still think he's going to be very, very good. And again, you can just kind of look at him and he much like some of the other breakout tight ends we've seen over the last couple of years, just you look at him, he has that it factor.
1: Yeah. And he'll earn Joe Burrow's trust and it, it'll, it'll evolve. But what I was going to say, because I'm old and I forget, I was saying something about, I don't know, what was I saying? I'm trying to wrap it up.
0: Small sample size.
1: Small sample size. Yeah. The average, okay, that's what I see. You helped me out. The average NFL career is only like three and a half years, right? So that's like 48 ish games. That's a good sample size, but that's a career. And we can't ba- and stuff changes from year to year because of all the different parts that change. So, it's a difficult process as it is. But don't put as much weight on a single data point early in the season as you do as the season progresses. <clears throat> and with that, I'm going to say let's forget about the season because the season, like 2020, seems to be absolutely insane. So we might as well just focus on DFS. So let's roll right into our DFS segment, Mr. Schultz.
0: Excellent. So. We'll start out at the quarterback position, and it should hold, come as no surprise. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, we need we need a line, don't we?
1: Yeah, last week's line was five. I took over. We nailed seven, I believe.
0: This week, uh, Vegas is also going to return a line of five.
1: Oh, a line of five this week. I'm going over. Okay. I'm going over. I really am. I think it's dangerous, but I'm going over. Go ahead, start us off.
0: Well, the first player uh, should be no surprise to our listeners. Uh, It's Russell Wilson against Miami. He's uh, near the top of the uh, price list here, and he's on pace for over 70 passing touchdowns. That's absurd. This is a small sample size. That's not going to continue. We all know that's not going to continue. Right.
1: Perfect example.
0: This is a situation, though, where the team is now going to be without their top running back for the short term. You could argue that Rashad Penny is their number two running back. He's out for the season. So you're on to your third running back. And he was a former starter in Carlos Hyde, so he's certainly not inept. But just because we have no Carson may mean that we'll see even more passes from Russ and perhaps even more rushes from Russ. Yeah. No, Miami's only allowed four passing touchdowns this season, but only six teams have given up more passing yards. And Miami has allowed two quarterback rushing touchdowns. So again, if, if Russell does decide to run the ball at the stripe without that lead running back in there anymore, yeah, we could see more running touchdowns this week for Russell also.
1: Yes, Russ is going to be cooking. So with that said, we did match. Um, but I should make it known that you know how much I don't like players on the road. This year, that's going to be something that changes somewhat because of the fans and the lack of them, right? It really changes the dynamic. So that's where in the past we would have looked at said, "Oh, going into Seattle, it's a tough place to play." You don't have to say that now.
0: Well, no, I I don't. I haven't been following the uh, rules in Florida right now. But uh, did Governor DeSantis uh, do something where he uh, has basically opened everything back up? Now, does that mean we will have fans in Miami?
1: I don't know how it how it will play with fans in Miami, but yes, he opened everything up. Um, what I was going to say was I picked Russ but I'd be remiss if I didn't say that I gave Dak serious consideration going to be at home against the Cleveland team. And I just think that they're going to, I think they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. They're going to want to throw the ball a lot. They tried to get Zeke involved in Seattle. He had like 76 targets, I think caught like six of them. So,
0: well, I think I think we could look at pretty much anyone in the top ten, and there, there's a good argument for most all of them.
1: Yes, it was. Yes, it's a very good quarterback week. Won't lie about that.
0: That leading me to the fact that I had to go a little bit further down the list than I normally like to to choose my stay away.
1: We're not going to match that.
0: <clears throat> my stay away is going to be Tom Brady versus the Chargers. Uh, Tom Brady will be without one of his top two receivers in Chris Godwin. And he is facing one of the three or four best pass defenses in football. Now, when we're on a slate with, as we just mentioned, several incredibly good matchups at quarterback, Brady is the highest priced one that really stands out kind of scary to me.
1: So, I, I like you. All, I tried to not like any of the top quarterbacks, and it's just, you can't do it. Like, they're just all very likable. But I saw one thing that's got a large sample size, that helped me to say, you know what, I'm just going to go with this guy because history has not been on his side when he plays out of the confines of Heinz Field. So I'm staying away from Mr. Roethlisberger against a Tennessee team that I still think has a defense that can come together.
0: I agree, and they just got Vic Beasley back last week, so I think he's going to be uh, more involved in the defense going forward. That can certainly cause some problems. I just kind of figured when I looked at them, it's like, well, their, their strength might be their pass rush now. But yeah. Ben Roethlisberger is hard to tackle in the pocket.
1: Clowny, Clowny is due though too, and then you add Beasley into it. I just, and and look, we just, you know, it's a fact, right? This isn't a small sample size. Ben away from Pittsburgh's not always a very good quarterback.
0: Exactly. He he's always, and and this isn't just a one or two year trend. This has been his storyline since he came into the league. He has been super elite at Heinz Field. He has been subpar on the road.
1: Yep, so we'll see. I, I I had two people that I was debating as my value play. Um who did you go with?
0: Well, so I love at Fanball where you can do a super flex. Uh so it's a fun way to play DFS if you like to be able to start two quarterbacks in DFS format. F- uh, FanDuel recently just added that too. For certain games, you can you can play super flex there. Uh so on fanball, I'm going to do a super flex stack of the same game using Russell Wilson at Miami and Ryan Fitzpatrick versus the Seattle C- Seahawks. C- 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 as we mentioned earlier, uh, the Hawks have given up 231 more passing yards total than the next closest team. Uh, for further frame of reference, that's nearly three times as many passing yards as the best pass defense in the league, Indianapolis, has allowed through three games. Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't throwing for immense yardage on the season, but he does have five touchdowns. And it's clear that he is committed to the Dolphins' team success. That includes carrying the ball with reckless abandon. Did you see that one run where he basically went out there and just trucked the defensive the linebacker for the other team last week?
1: <laughs> yes, I did. Um, and I meant to say this earlier and has nothing to do with what we're doing right now, but the Carson Wentz, we were chatting about him earlier, the TD that he ran in and dove – did it not remind you of when he tore his ACL against the Rams a few years ago on the same run?
0: Oh, don't remind me. I remember watching that one. That was painful.
1: Yeah, I really. I saw the same thing when I saw the replay. Anyway, okay, so my two value plays that I looked at, and just for what it's worth, we did agree. Um, both for the money were five, wait a minute, F. I'm trying to think of a word for F. They're both Fs. Um, (laughs) Mr. Foles, I was giving consideration to Mr. Foles. He's at home, but Indy's defense has been pretty well been, you know, again, early season, small sample size, but the Seattle defense, the secondary is absolutely obliterated with injuries right now. No telling what's up with Jamal Adams at this point. I think Miami has to play from behind. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot. And yes, I picked Mr. Fitzpatrick also. And for a third guy that I was kind of considered for just a blip of a second, um, Baker Mayfield, because I think Cleveland's going to have to throw the ball a lot, in Dallas also.
0: I I did look at Baker Mayfield. I also looked at Matthew Stafford, again, going uh, with the short-term trend of New Orleans, struggling a little bit in their secondary, despite supposedly being very, very good.
1: Yeah, and Fitzpatrick should not be $500 cheaper than somebody like well, maybe Stafford, but maybe not three, four hundred dollars cheaper than Nick Foles.
0: Exactly. It's I mean, it, it's kind of fun to see Fitzpatrick at this price, uh, and realistically, he will probably be owned a lot in general. Uh, in general, in GPP formats this week, because of that price tag. Again, a lot of people like to go with the, the cheaper quarterback yeah. so that they can fit higher price running backs and receivers in. So he may be a little bit chalky. But again, if you're lucky enough to be playing in a format that lets you have two quarterbacks, he is the ultimate second quarterback to play this week.
1: So for what worth, when I took the over, I thought we were going to go two of three, but I didn't think it would be on the on the value play. I thought it would be on the pay-up and the stay-away, because I thought for sure he'd be off of Ben.
0: Exactly. And a lot of people might say, well, what about benching Patrick Mahomes uh, with New England? Uh, I thought about that until I looked at the fact that Patrick Mahomes is actually – owned New England two right. appearances so far in its career.
1: Yeah, we can talk about that game a little bit later. So how about I start us off and say, here's a, here's a match, and then I'll let you tell everybody why, but there's no way you did not pay up for Alvin Kamara this week.
0: Yes, that's an obvious match. Uh, uh, the New Orleans uh, Alvin Kamara's have the league's overall number two player. Uh, the New Orleans Alvin Kamara's also have the league's top uh, number five player in terms of receptions. Targets. Uh, Neither of these players is Michael Thomas. Both of these players are Alvin Kamara. Detroit has allowed the third most total yards to the running back position. Uh, Assuming again that Thomas misses another game, Kamara will just continue his potential fantasy MVP season, catching just myriad passes out of the backfield.
1: Yes. And this is where, again, you look at Detroit and you say, oh my gosh, look what they've given up to the running back position, right? That's one data point. But then you look at it, okay. Michael Thomas is out. Look at how many times he's being thrown the ball. Look at how he's playing, and it becomes a no-brainer in my mind. Um, and his price isn't
0: even that high.
1: No, it's I mean, not.
0: This is a situation where in previous years we'd be looking at Christian McCaffrey numbers, like yeah. over, over the five, uh, over the ten thousand dollar mark for the if, second method. If
1: Christian McCaffrey performed the way that Kamara did the first three weeks, and he was the one facing Detroit, blah blah blah, he'd have a po- he'd have a value well above
0: $10,000. I was going to say he'd probably pop the 11,000 mark on FanDuel.
1: Yep. I would expect that. Okay. So I'm not sure if we're going to match on the stay away. I think we should, because I had a hard time finding guys I didn't like. Um, I don't usually stay away from people that are playing at home, but I'm staying away from Derrick Henry against that Pittsburgh defense.
0: We're two for two at the running back position. I think you've got the other over, over covered here today. Uh, would someone please explain to me the logic behind the Titans not handing the ball off to Derrick Henry on third and three inside the red zone against a pathetic Vikings defense? I mean, even if he doesn't get it on the third down, you can just run him again on the fourth down and get, a, get it done. Yeah. Uh, Henry saved his line last week with those two short touchdowns. Uh, but still, I, I feel really let down by that final stat line. Yeah. And you know what? At this point, I'm starting to wonder to myself— was the off-season loss of Jack Conklin, if that, if that reduced to the efficiency of this run offense a little bit. And now Henry is going to have to make do with Taylor LeJuan for the foreseeable future, too, being out. So combine all of that, plus they're facing a Pittsburgh run defense allowing 2.3 yards per carry. I just, I, it, you're counting on Henry to score you a touchdown here, and that's about it.
1: Okay. I'm going to be really shocked if you and I go three for three at running back right now, because I'm going to do something that I don't think you would have saw coming. My value play. Are you ready for it? Elvin Kamara? It could have been. And you know what? You're you're closer than you think. Is Latavius Murray.
0: (laughs) I don't mind that at all. That, That was not my pick, but I certainly can take the argument there on that.
1: And I'm not doing it to say to stack them, right? Basically what I'm no. saying is, look, I told you to pay up for, for Kamara, but if you don't, grab Murray at a value because I really think that they both can score and have strong weekends this week.
0: Well, and so going into the value play realm for running back, I, I thought it would be really, really simple to pick on Carolina because I always pick on Carolina. Mm-hmm. As you said, you know, I'll, I'll throw Carolina bone I won't pick on them this week. I'm going to pick on the Las Vegas Raiders of Anaheim instead. Uh, this come down and I'm playing Devin Singletary in this game. And this is going to come down to whether or not Zach Moss suits up and plays next week. The first two weeks, Devin Singletary outtouched Moss 26 to 20 in a fairly even split. Singletary saw 17 touches this past week. So not significantly more than he had in the first two games, but the yardage that he had this week was nearly double the first two weeks. Now, Las Vegas has given up a league-high 216 total yards per game to opposing running backs. They've actually given up more yardage than Carolina to opposing backs. They've also given up a league-high 32 running back receptions and a league-high seven running back total touchdowns. Well, Devin Singletary is involved in the passing game, too, so he will catch the ball. The backfield of Moss isn't there, and he will get into the end zone, assuming that, Mr. Allen doesn't steal all the thunder.
1: As an Allen owner, I hope he does. But anyway, um, look, I can't fault you for saying the play Devin Singletary, but I'm just going to call you out here and say 5900 6000 does not fit you and what you would call a value. But I get it because the value is what you expect them to produce, not just strictly on the price.
0: Well, and so another point with that is I looked at the cheaper price running backs this week, the ones that actually are going to get some impact carries. I don't really like any of the cheap matchups this week. Yeah. The, the the Antonio Gibson style guys, you might be able to get cheap. Uh, Mike Davis type guys, you might be able to get cheap. The matchups just aren't there this week for them. So I'm like, you know what? I'm looking at values and I'm like, these guys are going to be a value on volume alone. That's the only thing they're going to have for value. Matchup does not screen play them. So I'm going to pay a little bit more and get a guy that's cheaper that I can lock into my flex at 5,900. Again, knowing that I'm not paying 10000 for McCaffrey, I'm only going to spend 8000 for Kamara. So that makes it a little bit easier to swallow that little bit higher value price.
1: So that's also kind of how I wound up on Latavius Murray, quite honestly. Okay, so I think this is where we get the push right here. And I don't see how you pass on. <clears throat> and I had questions about how this guy was going to fit into the offense. I probably didn't have him ranked high enough during the preseason but he's proven me wrong. I don't know how you don't put DeAndre Hopkins and pay up for him this week.
0: Oh boy. I really thought about it. I really did. Oh, man. I, I didn't, I think not go there. <laughs> um, as bad as Carolina is against the run, they're, they're so horrible against the run. You don't have to throw the ball a lot. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I actually considered Kenyon Drake as a possible value play at his price too. Which, again, he's kind of in that same price range as Singletary because I think him and Chase Edmonds are going to have huge games this week against Carolina. Uh, So I actually did the same pay-to-play that I did last week, and that is DK Metcalf. Okay. Uh, Metcalf should have had two long TDs last week. First one, he got sloppy, got it punted out of his hand. His line through three weeks has been really consistent. Four catches every game. 90-plus yards every game, and a touchdown every game. Rinse-repeat. This time versus another so-so pass defense where the best corner is going to be stuck shadowing Tyler Lockett. It's going to be a high-scoring game. I want to get exposure to it. Might as well keep riding the hot hand with Metcalf.
1: Yeah, I looked at Metcalf and Lockett, quite honestly, and look, there's only a couple hundred-hour difference between them on DraftKings. And I look at them this way. I think they're both solid plays, solid plus plays. Lockett, I believe, has a higher floor. His ceiling's not quite as high possibly as Metcalf. Metcalf has a lower floor and a higher ceiling. He's got that higher boom-bust potential. So I don't not love it. Trust me, I don't. I don't love that we didn't match, but I don't not love that play.
0: Well, another thing to think about when you're considering this too is that casual players are going to look at this and they're going to see – Metcalf had one touchdown and only four catches. Lockett had a whole bunch of catches and three touchdowns. I'm going to play Lockett because he just had a big game. Yeah. Now, A, that doesn't always work out. If you have a big game, sometimes maybe you're set for a down game the next game. But B, again, ownership rates are going to be higher on Lockett than they're going to be on Metcalf just for that reason. So if you want access to the game, get DK Metcalf. I'd even consider for a wide receiver three or flex taking a shot on a guy like Dave Moore.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Um, Let's move into the stay away. You're probably not going to agree with me here, but I I think there's a slight chance that you could. I'm going to stay away from uh, Mr. Cup this week. And he's coming off a big game, but here's what people probably don't realize. You have to go all the way back to week eight of last year to find a game where he had more than seven receptions and the last time he had over 100 yards receiving. And, again, they're in L.A. The Giants so far have been pretty strong against the pass. I don't know that they're going to need to throw the ball all that much on top of things against the Giants. So, for me, Cup being a top 10 priced DFS option, that's a no-go. I'm sorry. That's a non-starter for me this week.
0: Well, the guy that I'm staying away from has the same price on DraftKings as Cooper Cup. And he actually is part of one of your value plays at quarterback's offense. That's Ellen Robinson going up against Indy. Opposing number one wide receivers are averaging two catches and 19 yards with one score on the season total versus this defense. They're very good against the pass so far this year. I know it's a small sample size, but it's not like they were horse manure last year either they were actually pretty good against the pass last year too but two catches in 19 yards that scares me and we're not talking about bad receivers here okay we are last week last week bad receiver chris hogan but the the first week it was adam Thielen, not a bad receiver so again you're, you're getting options here i i just don't trust ellen robinson this week
1: so i won't lie to you i looked at robinson but i've got just an uncanny amount of love for Allen Robinson, so I could not say that he's the person to stay away from. Plus, he's on an insane number of my teams, so that's why I didn't pick him. Um, And I don't know, I don't feel real comfortable with it. Like, it doesn't look like a good matchup, but I also wouldn't be shocked to see him put up six for 75 and two touchdowns with Foles either. So I decided to move the cup, who I think has had two very good games back-to-back, but I think he's overpriced for what that production should mean.
0: Well, before we go on to our next player, I'd also like to say, I think with <coughs> Foles under center now, it obviously in- increases the value of Ellen Robinson going forward. It also pretty much saves Anthony Miller's owners from falling off the cliff.
1: Yes, it does. Okay, so I have two guys that I struggled with who to pick as my upside player. And one of them is cheaper than the other, so that's who I should have gone with. But at the end of the day, I decided to look at the high-end boom portion of what I expect from them. And I'm just going to tell you, it came down to Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. I don't believe Odell's had a 100-yard receiving game in like 33 years or something like that. This is the week. He's in Dallas. That secondary's very ripe. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot. So, yes, Odell Beckham Jr. is actually a value play this week.
0: Well, and so I came very, very close to <clears throat> looking at the Cleveland game as a possibility for a value play. I also considered going with either one of the Jacksonville receivers coming off a bit of a stinker of a game, going with either Keelan Cole or LaVisca Chenault, uh, even DJ Chark if he comes back and plays, which doesn't look like he will this week. Um I ended up doing the double-double in my Superflex stack. I'm going to use the value play spot on Devontae Parker versus Seattle. Uh, Through three games, Seattle has allowed the second most wide receiver touchdowns, the most wide receiver receiving yards, as we mentioned, by a difference of 400. Uh, And when you consider this, again, that's 400 yards more allowed to receivers than the next closest team There are teams that have actually given up less than 400 yards total all season. They've also given up 76 receptions to the position. The next closest number is 49. That's 27 more receptions allowed to receivers than the next closest team. Number one wide receivers in particular have been eating against Seattle. They're averaging 131 yards per game against them this year. We also already talked about how bad they are against slot receivers. So again, if, if you need to be sneaky, you can possibly look at the slot receiver for Miami. There's just it's options to get players involved in this game because much like the Dallas Seattle game last week, I expect a lot of points in this Miami Seattle game.
1: Man, you know what else? We didn't match, but when you look at well, they can't see it. Of course, they can only hear it. But when you look at the chart that you sent, right there in that fifty-seven to fifty-nine hundred dollar range. You could actually stack your receiver pretty well. You've got Will Fuller, Odell Beckham, and Devontae Parker. $57, $58, $5,900 on draft games. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fuller, as long as he's playing, that's a pristine matchup too against that, that Vikings secondary. And you know Houston, yes. Houston needs a win in the worst way.
0: You look at it too and you think to yourself, well, is this how it's actually going to be? And it is. Minnesota looked better this week, but that's only because they evened out the time of possession somewhat by controlling the clock, running the ball with Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison earlier in the game. That defense is still very weak. There's a reason why they gave up as many points as they did this week. It's because that defense is not good.
1: Correct. All right. Well, it looked like we were going to blow the over away. Now it comes down to needing. Two of three at tight end, and I think we have a chance at it. It's possible. All right, so go ahead. Tell everybody that we're paying up for Mark Andrews. I'm not. Come on, Harley.
0: (laughs) Well, tell everyone why you're paying up for Mark Andrews.
1: Uh, I'm paying up for Mark Andrews against a Washington team, which does concern me with their pass rush, but... Um, beyond that, they've not been very good against the wide, against the tight end position. Again, might seem like a small sample size. Um, but I don't like a lot of the other higher priced tight ends. So when I put two and two together, that's when I get Mark Andrews.
0: It's not that small of a sample size either. If you look at previous seasons, Washington has always been atrocious against the tight end position. So no, I, I agree with you playing, uh, paying Mark Andrews there. Um, I actually went a different direction with this. And it's kind of a segue from my tweet from this weekend we talked about earlier. And that's New Orleans struggling against the tight end.
1: Yeah, and I so, looked at him too, but I didn't think his price was high enough.
0: His price probably isn't high enough, but I'm going to pay up for TJ Hawkinson, who at 5400 on on FanDuel is pretty much right about the middle of the pack, and 4800 on DraftKings, again, about the middle of the pack. Uh, as we mentioned, Darren Waller topped 100 yards, scored against them. Week one, O.J. Howard scored against them. Week three, Robert Tanyan scored against them. And both he and Jay Sternberg combined for over 80 yards receiving. The folks, the Saints have two incredibly talented cornerbacks in Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins. Neither of those two covered the tight end. Last week, we saw it again. Aaron Rodgers was picking them apart at the tight end position, throwing the ball again to no names like Tanyan and Sternberger. TJ Hawkinson has a bit of a pedigree to him. Yeah. And he's being being used. He's actually being used this year. So I again, yes, Jesse James got a fluke touchdown this week. There were like three or four fluke tight end touchdowns in Buffalo this week. Tight end touchdowns can be fluky. I think Hawkinson's a lock for one this week.
1: You know what else? Hawkinson would be priced a lot higher and would have been drafted a lot higher if his health wasn't in question this summer. That's part of what's depressed him right now. Um, Talk about almost being able to screw up a possible over with one pick because you paid up for Hawkinson. I almost made him my value play. I scratched him (laughs) out. The only reason I scratched him out was because of his price, not because I don't like him. So, if I'd have put him as my value play, we'd be done.
0: Exactly. Well, and that's the other thing, too. It's like he's in that weird big middle there where it's like he's not really a value. He's not really super high priced, but I think he's in the top seven or eight in price tag. So, I'm sorry, number nine, uh, eight on DraftKings. Yes.
1: Yep. All right. So, this is going to, this is what it's going to come down to. And I'm, I'm guessing that we're not going to match just because that's what it's going to be this week. But, Travis Kelsey. Yes. And we, we didn't match. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's at home. Yes, he's hard to ever bench. Yes, he's also the highest-priced wide receiver. Yes, Patrick, McCombs, Patrick Mahomes has had success playing the Patriots. But Bill does take away one player. At the price, I'd be willing to take the gamble that it's Kelsey that he tries to take away. So I will avoid Kelsey and DFS lineups because of that.
0: Well, and so it's another situation where I looked at the previous game statistics form. And, uh, I, I figured that if we have a situation where Belichick would either take away Tyree kill or Travis Kelsey, he really hasn't had success taking away either of them. Uh, in, in every game that Kelsey's played against them, he's either had 60 yards and, or a touchdown, uh, Hill, only has uh, the one game on his record in regular season where he absolutely went ham against them. So I, I I get it that Travis Kelsey is overpriced for this week, but I'm not super concerned about him. And again, I'm not really ever going to pay that much for a tight end anyways, unless I'm doing a double tight end type lineup. Uh, the guy I'm going to stay away from is Darren Waller versus Buffalo. So back-to-back weeks, I'm staying away from Waller. Uh, Belichick did just showed the entire league a script for shutting down Darren Waller. True. The question mark is, was Buffalo paying attention?
1: Um, yeah, I think so. I, look, I'll be honest with you. I like um, Sean McDermott. He was a former Philadelphia coach, so I always kind of pull for those guys. Worked under Jimmy Johnson. Um, Jimmy Johnson, the Eagles defense coordinator, that is. So, yeah, I think he's a smart guy. I think he's building a really good team. I think people wanted him to run out of the town a few a few years ago. Right. When he was just getting started. But he seems to be doing a good job there. So, yeah, I think he'll learn from other teams. And, yeah, Waller's a good stay away, quite honestly.
0: Well, and maybe you can talk to us a little bit because you might know a little bit better from the defensive side of the ball. Um, when I looked at the small sample sizes, yep. what we noticed was that Buffalo was struggling this year so far against the tight end position. But I do believe that they've been missing some interior secondary pieces, uh, either at linebacker or safety. And those guys came back this past week.
1: Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say, is that they had had lost Matt Milano, who is a former safety. He's a very good cover guy. Um, I was curious whether or not he was going to make it back this week. He did make it back. Tremaine Edmonds, Tremaine Terrell Edmonds, him and his brother mixed up. So I'm just going to say Edmonds. How's that? T. Edmonds, yes. T. Edmonds, (laughs) he also came back. So yes, I think that's part of it, and that's where the small sample size can kind of lead you astray, possibly. So,
0: good good segue back on my part there.
1: Yes, absolutely. <coughs> All right, we need this for a push.
0: This is going to be a tough one.
1: Yeah, because I didn't. I probably didn't go as cheap as I should have. Quite honestly, I you mean, know,
0: I did. I didn't either. So well, they, maybe we'll uh,
1: maybe there. No, I definitely didn't go cheap enough. Um, I went with, first of all, before the Saints were the Cardinals when it came to tight ends, (laughs) the Cardinals were the Browns, right? Yes. So guess what? I'm going with Dalton Schultz.
0: And we get the push. Nice. Exactly the same logic I was going with there. Uh, Cleveland has actually given up big performances to both of Cincinnati's tight ends earlier this year. Mark Andrews scored two touchdowns in week one against them. Uh, It's even an okay performance by Logan Thomas last week. I mean, most of his drops weren't on him. They were on Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Dalton Schultz, unfortunately wasn't used as frequently as I expected in week three. uh, Mainly because again, Cedric Wilson was for some weird reason, dominating slot snaps there. Uh, But he actually padded his stats a little bit at the end of the game in the last couple drives. So it wasn't a horrible line for Dalton Schultz and, Again, I, I think that this matchup is actually even better for him this week against Cleveland. So, yeah. Again, at forty three hundred, I think he fits close enough to that value price range that he, he qualifies as a value play, and that gives us our push.
1: It sure does. Now, see, that's the one match I didn't think we were going to get. <laughs> and I mean, Hawkinson's only priced how much more than him?
0: 500 five hundred on DraftKings and five hundred on FanDuel. Yeah,
1: and that's who you paid up for.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: And I looked at him as a payup also for what it's worth. Um, but, yeah, so there you have it, people. Um, we pushed. We didn't hit the over. We didn't hit the under. We hit five, which is actually a solid number. Um, so uh, any way you look at it, that's what it is. Hopefully you can use what we gave you to make some coin, um, whether it's to stay away from what we say because you don't trust us or you like the insight and we help to maybe enlighten you and make things a little bit easier for you and people you may have been going back and forth on.
0: That's what it's all about.
1: Any last minute little bits of advice for him before I do the parting shots?
0: No, hopefully uh, that everyone is watching tonight's game uh, and enjoying a great offensive slugfest between two very, very good teams. Uh, And then maybe, just maybe, that this will carry over and we'll see some more high-scoring games this coming weekend.
1: Yeah, okay. I should have said this earlier. I want to talk bad beat real quick. Scott Fishbowl. I was 2-0 going into this week. I had less than a three-point lead when the Packers handed the ball to Aaron Jones on that goal line play. (laughs) Now, I have a question for you. You don't know who I have, so you don't know how that play impacted me yet. I'm going to tell you that that play cost me, okay? But you don't know which way. Was he in when they replayed it? I know they didn't turn it over on review, but was he in? So,
0: the ball was over the stripe, but it did appear that his calf was down before that.
1: See, I didn't think his calf was down, but if it's not conclusive, I get it. The very next play, Aaron Rodgers throws a touchdown pass to anybody other than Alan Mm -hmm. Lazard, and I lose. I I went into that game down, I think, like three points. I had Lazard, and he had Aaron Rodgers, and... Aaron Rodgers put him – that pass, that touchdown was like a seven-point something play in Scott Fishbowl, right? Yes. That that gave him a win of less than four points against me. That's a tough beat.
0: Well, at least no one started Kirk Cousins for negative 20 this week.
1: That's true. All right, so now let me give you the specifics. One, the best way to avoid starting Kirk Cousins for negative 20 points is to subscribe to The Huddle. The other way you can do that is to follow Harley – on Twitter at Nuclear Harley, or you can follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. And then, as we like to say, get blitz responsible. Cheers.